everybody. Welcome back to Lipstick and Lightsabers. I am Shannon. And I'm Alex. And today we are kicking off our Willow Wonderlust series. Uh, we are talking about the first three episodes of Willow. They dropped uh, two at once and then we had one more episode. Last time we said that there were only six episodes. Um, we have since found out there is eight. <laughs> so that does change things a little bit for us. Yeah. It'll change things a little bit. I mean, we still have, like, a Christmas break and everything. So, wait. So, that means it's going to cross over with Bad Batch. It is. Yeah. So, like, I think... So, originally our plan, which I think is still a good idea, um, our next episode will be the next three episodes of Willow. Um, yeah. And then we'll do, like, a finale episode. Like, we're... There's going to be, like, some traveling, some things going on, like, um, once we get into the new year. So... We'll finish up Willow. We'll give Bad Batch like a little bit of time to breathe and then we'll start Mm -hmm. Bad Batch. Yeah. And we're also talking about doing Convergence also. Yes. Um, I am still only 30 pages into Convergence. I haven't started, but I just got it from the library. So I can start it now. Yeah. I, if I still haven't made any progress in the actual book, I was telling Alex about this. Um, I got it on an, a free audible credit. So if I still haven't, made any progress by the time I finished the third School for Good and Evil, I'm just going to listen to it. So mm-hmm. <laughs> so to start off, um, I think we got to talk about the big thing first. Um, so Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio uh, finally came out on Netflix. So we both watched it. Um, Alex, you said this was your favorite movie of the year so far? I I don't know, because I, I thought about it, and I was like, well, Glass Onion was right there. That's true. <laughs> that is true. They, it's very different vibe. Yeah, I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, it's probably, it's definitely in top three, because I also loved everything, everywhere, all at once. Glass Onion and Pinocchio. So I would say that's my top three of the year, for sure. There's also a few coming, like, you know, there's um, there's Avatar, The Way of Water. Um, Which is actually getting really good reviews. Yes. And then there's the new, uh, what's it called? Babylon, which is um, the new Damien Chazelle movie that's coming out, I think, the week of Christmas. And there's that new movie with Adam Driver, White Noise. And that's also... <laughs> coming out that week i think i saw i saw the trailer for white noise when i saw glass onion and i just i don't know man (laughs) like is it gonna be worse than annette like no nothing will be like that was rock bottom i think no i i think that it's gonna be decent it might just not be for us yeah i i think so i i would definitely say like I feel like my one of my like tops has been um Nope. Like Nope was really good. Um oh, yeah. I think Black Panther I think uh Black Panther Wakanda oh. Forever. Yeah. Um, I did also really like Pinocchio. I I am so sorry to say this. I did not cry. Though <laughs> I am not a movie crier. Like Okay. I had <laughs> I had a Toy Story three level cry. Like yes, I was did. like wailing. <laughs> Um, I, like, I mean, it was a, I like, I like those good movie cries when a movie really pulls at your emotions like that well. Not, like, in a manipulative way. Like, just, you know, it 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 was very genuine. you're human. Yeah. And it was very genuine and, um, sincere and it, 
you know, it tied up the movie really well. It had a simple plot, yet the characters were so real and, you know, like, the emotion was so real. Mm -hmm. Well, I felt like there was so much, like, under the surface. Um, You know, we, we talked about, you know, like, with Glass Onion, like, you can't really compare them. But I feel like it's one of those movies where, like, you could watch it again and again and you'd, like, notice little things every time. Yeah. Um, and there's that 30-minute special where they talk about the making of Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. And just the care that went into making this movie, like, the way they did the puppets, like, even, like, Pinocchio's design, because they're like, well, Geppetto was, you know, upset and he was drunk. So, like, it that's reflected in how Pinocchio was made and all of that, like... There's so much of that sprinkled in, um, which just, like, makes it really rewarding, like, as a viewer. Like, I think you could sit there and you could analyze this movie, like, frame by frame by frame and, like, find something different yeah. every single what time. A, and what, like, a beautiful art, art, you know, art form of a movie, <sighs> like, bringing yeah. back stop motion. Um, it's just, it's so, like, beautiful. And I think that in you know, the past history, like, the past, like, little while, stop motion has been really known for um, pushing the stigma of animation being for kids. Because this movie was very much for adults, and I think that oftentimes we see this in the stop motion movies, especially that Laika makes, like, Coraline, Mm -hmm. and, like, you know, those ones, uh, Kubo and the Two Strings. Um, And it's just, like, it's a labor of love like you like it's it's so tangible like stop motion i i can't believe that it's still funded you know like it's so expensive and it's beautiful but and and you know for for studios i can't believe that people are still funding them well makes me happy so much work into it like Years. I, I can't even remember how much he said, like how long they worked mm-hmm. on this movie. Like it was a very, very long time. And honestly, like telling the story of Pinocchio through stop motion makes so much sense because like they are puppets. Like yeah. everybody is a puppet. So like it kind of takes mm-hmm. on this like meta quality to it as well. Um yeah. and like the way he played it and turned it into like a myth. Like you had like these life yeah. and death spirits. He said it, like, during, like, both world wars, like... Yeah, and, like, the spirits, like, so, like, the spirits that played, like, Life and Death kind of reminded me of Book of Life, Mm -hmm. you know, that movie, which Guillermo del Toro actually produced that film. He didn't direct or write it, but he produced it. See, that makes sense. So he also worked on that, yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, and, like, one of the things that, like, really mm -hmm. stuck with me about the movie was... So, like, Geppetto, you know, he is, like, a craftsman. He's a carpenter. Like, he makes this, like, giant crucifix, um, like, with Jesus on it for a church. And there's, like, a scene where, like, Pinocchio is, like, saying, like, well, why do they love him but they don't love me? Like, we're both made of wood. Yeah, that seems so deep. I was like, what kind of religious trauma is this movie dealing with? I know, but, like, later, not to, like, give things away, but there's, like, a moment where Pinocchio is strung up like Jesus on the crucifix and I was like whoa yeah yeah like what a you know an interesting way to go about it um but yeah no spoilers everyone should check this out like if you have Netflix it's really accessible it's on Netflix I kind of wish I saw it in theaters 
Oh, um, I, yeah, 100%. And, like, it definitely follows all of the same beats that, like, you know, but yeah. and yet it's still so unexpected. I do. One thing I liked is that Del Toro said that the, the, the original villain from the text of Pinocchio was boring. And he said, yeah. no, we're not doing that. We're not doing that villain. We're rewriting a villain. And yeah. I thought that was interesting. And, like, him, you know, making it his own. Well, and he said, too, like, he didn't want it to be about, like, Pinocchio learning how to be a good boy. And that's what, like, makes him a real boy. Like, he wanted to play with it, like, we learn from Pinocchio, which was very yeah. interesting. Because, like, the the scene where Pinocchio first wakes up, to me, was, like, a horror movie. Because it's, like, yeah. this this creature who doesn't know anything, throwing around, like, axes and knives and breaking things. I'm like, this is terrifying. Yeah, it was very, like, Frankenstein monster kind of yes, thing. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, like, he doesn't have any morals. Like, he doesn't know anything because he's, like, brand new. And so, mm-hmm. like, that was interesting that, like, that was his intention to, like, really explore deeper, not just, like, oh, Pinocchio learns right from wrong and now he's human. Like, that's not yeah. what makes you human. And I loved Ewan McGregor playing Sebastian <gasps> J. Cricket. Uh, he was really I good. Cr- I watched the credits just so I could hear him sing. <laughs> <laughs> and he keeps trying to sing and he keeps getting cut off. Like, uh, so good. That was such a perfect casting choice. Yeah. He really he really brought the Cricket alive. Like, he did. what good casting. I love um, that. But I, I won't spoil it. I highly recommend watching it plus the special because um, – I think the whole story about who voices the monkey is very funny. Yes. And, <laughs> and everyone should Yeah, everyone should just watch the behind the scenes to see that. Mm-hmm. So there's also one more recommendation. So Alex, what were you watching recently? I've been watching Abbott Elementary, which I know I'm I'm pretty late to. It's on season two now, and this was I'm I'm watching season one. I think it's really funny. It has um, really really smart writing, and I think about Shannon every time I watch it because <laughs> she's a teacher, and I just like think, oh, like this is kind of like a story that she told me about a kid, you know? Because <laughs> like. Yeah, and, like, I haven't started Abbott Elementary, but, like, from what Alex has said, like, I do – like, I knew I would like it, but, like, I definitely want to, like, try to give it a go. Um, Because, like, there's something about, like, the kids that, like, you just don't understand until you're, like, in it and you're, like, what are these kids doing, you know? (laughs) So, like, I'm interested to um, see that shared experience. (laughs) So as far as news goes, uh, we got the trailer for Jedi Survivor. Yeah. And it was all gameplay. Cal Kestis is a full-grown man. Yeah, that's a man. That's a man. That, that's a man. And was that Seer, too? <laughs> like, um, Yeah. I, yeah. I have so many questions. Um, namely, there's going to be so much trauma. Star Wars for this era does not know how to not talk about trauma. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Um, And we and we also you know we also got the cover of the book Battle Stars, um, and Mirren is on the cover, Mm -hmm. so that's good. (laughs) Well, because I think the big question like leading into the game is like what happened, right? Yeah. Like at the end of Fallen Order, it was 
like very obvious that like they'd kind of made this newfound family. They were going to be going and, you know, searching out like force users and protecting them. And then seeing this like that very obviously something happened. So and I think the book is to prepare us for where these characters are at in this game because they clearly (laughs) some shit has gone down. Yeah, and like I think it's interesting that they only showed us gameplay. I feel like they're, you know, keeping their cards to themselves. Oh, but they did show, okay, so they they showed a lot of different lightsabers because that that is the thing about like Cal Kestis and like the gameplay because you get to kind of like craft your own lightsaber. There is no like one lightsaber. Um, so there's a scene where he ignites a blue saber that has a cross guard, a yeah. lot like Kylo's. And it Alex, what, like, do you remember the line he said when he did that? Um, hope survives, right? Hope survives. Like, yeah. come and on. all the Raylos, I will say, like, on Twitter, all the Raylos caught on to that immediately. <laughs> yeah. Hope survives. <laughs> no, listen, like, we're going to be talking about Willow. There's, listen, Ben Solo is alive. Let me just put on my tinfoil hat for a second. Like, there's a line from, like, about Mad Mardigan, and I'm like, that is the most Ben yeah. Solo thing that you just ever put in my face right now. Like, Man, I'm so excited for us to talk about Willow. Yeah. I mean, like, let's get into it. We have, like, one more thing. Um, Taylor Swift is writing and directing a movie. Yeah, for Searchlight pictures yes um so that's the same studio that did uh the shape of water like wow and Um, and, she's yeah she's very inspired by guillermo del toro well not only that is they've been talking and they're buddies yeah and so like guillermo gave her like gave her a the book that he used as reference while working on pan's labyrinth so like, he was light. reading that to, you know, be inspired for Pan's Labyrinth. So, like, I'm like, wow. So, like, fairy tale? I'm thinking, like, Eldridge fairy tale vibes. I like, ethereal. that. I, yes. like, well, I, I, you know, it's, it's Evermore's a second anniversary today. Mm-hmm. And I saw someone repost the Willow music video, which is a, an amazing music video. I love that video. And I was thinking, like, what if it was like this? Yeah. Well, and, like, I watched um, Where the Crawdads Sing, which, like, did have a lot of controversy because of the authors and everything like that. But, like, watching the movie, I really see why, like, the themes that Taylor Swift was drawn to. Yeah. And so if she pulls, like, similar things, like, that film had, like, some ethereal qualities. It, it's a good-for-her movie. Um, and it's just, like, very in touch with, like, the rawness of nature, which I feel yeah. like is also very Evermore. It um, is, yeah. Yeah. And, like, she's definitely going to be writing music for this, like, we know it. I'm wow. Yeah. <laughs> Like, wow. Um, we don't know anything else right I, now, but, like, uh, wow. I love, though, how everyone instinctually thought that she would be writing kind of, like, a modern romantic drama. Like, similar to the all-too-well short film. Like, something more along those lines. And then as soon as that, you know, that line about her and Guillermo talking about Pan's Labyrinth came about, everyone's like, oh, is she doing yeah. a fairy tale? She's doing and a fairy that, tale. to me... That's so much more interesting. Well, and to me, I think that makes more sense because, like, 
the other time we've seen her like be creative and like imagine her own characters, it was folklore and evermore. Yeah, yeah. And they're more fairy tale. They're yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm <sighs> so very, good. very Yes. Yes. We are being fed. We are finally getting what we deserve. I mean, it might be it'll it'll be years before this movie happens because she's Doesn't going matter. on a world I, tour. We're gonna be taking um, you know, our little trip from the old folks home to go see Taylor Swift's movie <laughs> in theaters, so <laughs> My gosh, like, it's so exciting that she's making movies. That's so exciting. Like, she's such a good storyteller. It's going to be so good. All right. So, Willow. Yeah. We have been waiting for the show for a while, ever since we watched the original Willow. Because, like, I remember when we decided to watch it because we didn't really think anything of it. Like, it was just one of those movies that came out in the 80s. It was Lucasfilm. It was on Disney+. Plus. So we're like, you know, we'll give it yeah. a try. And we both absolutely adored that movie. It's a banger. It's a it, banger. Like, it slaps. Yeah. It's so good. Like, to me, it's like a quintessential, like, 80s film. Fantasy. Like, a, like, yeah. a, like, it, a, like it, just it's... a quintessential, like, fantasy film. Yeah, it, like it, you know, for me, like it feels very like Princess Bride. Yes. Like that, um, with the creatures Which and just Disney like. Disney Plus does recommend when you watch you Willow. Watch Willow. Yeah, yeah, it does recommend Princess Bride. <laughs> yeah, so like Princess Bride is one that I've grown up with. And I Same. don't know why I didn't grow up with Willow, but I would have also loved it. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like it, it fits that mold with Princess Bride. Like, it's a lot more fun in that regard because, like, the other mm-hmm. side of, like, 80s fantasy is, like, Dark Crystal and, like, Labyrinth. Um, yeah. Which Willow is definitely more, like, upbeat, lighthearted. But, like, especially in the show, it's they are dealing puppet. with some, like, dark <laughs> elements that are very scary. <laughs> yeah. The show is actually giving me, like, Wheel of Time vibes. Okay. Like I feel like I don't know if it's maybe the age of the of the uh, traveling party, like them being like young adults, like makes me feel like will time. Okay, so like I'm getting like very strong like D and D campaign vibes. Yeah, like I I feel like you can just really see like how the characters fall into like those certain types. Yeah, and I feel like. It's just so fun. It's like they're having a romp almost. Yeah, they are. I mean, it's a dangerous romp. Like, I am, like, very concerned about them. Well, like, in Um, the third episode, like, what, three, four people die? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get there in episode three, but it leaves off at a pretty somber, like, beat. Yeah, it does. Well, because the whole point of it, like, if, if you've never seen Willow, like, highly recommend, like, we we talked about the movie um, a while ago. So, like, I would go back and listen to that episode because, like, for one, it's just such a fun episode. Like, we had so much mm-hmm. fun with that. But the show does recap it a little bit at the beginning, which I think is yeah. great. Because um, what you need to know for the show is that, like, Willow, Mad Mardigan, Sorsha, like, they were our original trio for this. Like, th- there are a lot of Star Wars elements with this. Yeah. And they were, they found this um, baby, Alora Dannon, who was, you know, foretold to, like, take down evil, and she was the chosen one and all of that. Um, so where we picked up here, you know, they've all grown up, and Alora 
has gone away. She doesn't know who she is. She's, you know, grown up not knowing and everybody has kind of separated. Like, we don't even see Mad Mardigan at all so far. Yeah, I I do really recommend, like, even though you said, you know, there's a recap in the show, I highly recommend watching the movie. The stakes, I, like, 100% don't believe that the stakes would hit as well if you haven't seen the movie. I agree, because, like, there's scenes with, like, Sorsha and Willow, like, their flashbacks, and I feel like they don't hit the same unless you know their yeah, relationship they they definitely wouldn't i i do feel like the willow show although it can be an entry point i think that it won't be as appreciated without knowing the film yeah and, and i kind of think like we are seeing that a little bit like i think the people who are really into it were really into the movie yeah. And then I feel like other people are just kind of like, oh, yeah, it's good, you know? So, like, I, I feel like the movie just adds so much to it. And, like, it's so good. And, it I mean, it's not like a, you know, three-hour-long movie or anything like that. Like, it's just – it adds so much. And it makes me so nervous, like, seeing these characters <laughs> like this. It, it – you know what this is? It's like – it's like that's the original trilogy and, like, this is the sequel trilogy because, like, we have, like, yes. the Descendants and all that. Like, I that's mean, what it's getting. It's very similar to the sequel trilogy. I mean, in a lot of ways. I mean, like, Sorsha is literally Leia. Willow is literally Skywalker, which means Mad Mardigan is literally Han, which I would argue was always the case. Yeah. Um, I guess we should get into it. Yeah. Okay. So our three episodes, so they're called The Gales, The High Aldwin, and The Battle of the Slaughtered Lamb. See, I didn't even know that. I didn't know the titles. Those are very interesting. Yes. Um, so I love that the way every episode opens is like a book opens and it says yeah. a chapter. So like at, in the first episode, it starts with the prologue and that's the recap. And then it's chapter one, The Gales, which is... Mm-hmm where our first episode is and to me like this first episode is a lot of setup like I'm glad they released two because Mm -hmm. this episode like we are introduced to everybody who's going to be in our party and we are introduced with why these people have to go on this quest yeah and what our main antagonist is I will say, though, it was a very strong first episode. Yes. It had me, like, just so invested in where it was going with all the characters. The characters are very likable. Yes. Um, I love everyone. And I feel like mm -hmm. this world feels so lived in. So all the characters feel very tangible. Yeah. So I guess let's start off with, um, so we're in the kingdom of Tyr Aslin. Um, There's two specific places mentioned. So like this is fantasy, so it's a little bit different. We've got the kingdom of Tyr Aslin, and they are working on allying themselves with the kingdom of Galadorn. Um, and we are introduced first to Jade and Kit. And Jade is Aaron Killiman, who has also yeah. done Star Wars and Marvel. Yeah, okay, so, like, Erin Kellyman is just choosing the best project. She really is, though. <laughs> she, um, this is probably the best she's been. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I say that because she's not in Solo that much. She doesn't do that much in Solo. So, 
this she is really like gets a to very, shine in this yes like she has something to sink her teeth into with this role yes because I, I would argue like because she was in um falcon and the winter soldier and like she was really good in that mm-hmm. um but she was largely like a catalyst or like a foil yeah whereas in this like she is a main character. She has, like, specific wants and goals and desires. And yes. she is really showcasing her skills. Mm-hmm. Like, 100%. She doesn't feel like a catalyst at all in this show. Yes. Um, And let me just say, so, like, this isn't really a spoiler. Although, like, we probably will get into some spoilers since we're talking about three episodes. Um, This show really said, like, let the characters be gay. Yeah. Let them be gay. Like, mm-hmm. it is no secret that Jade and Kit are girlfriends. Yeah. there And there's so much kissing in the first episode. There is. <laughs> like, everyone's <laughs> kissing. Everyone. Everyone. Um, but, yeah, like, what, what a breath of fresh air to see Lucasfilm have a queer couple. Mm-hmm. But not only – but, like, having them – like you said, this, this – world is so lived in like this relationship is already long established mm-hmm. and it feels like like very lived in it feels like there it's not new we're not getting you know like a coming out journey kind of story from either of these characters like they both know who they are and it's nice to see that from lucasfilm because lucasfilm there's no there's no lesbians in star wars except no. in the well books. in the books well, yes. and the the one kiss that they edited did out we, for China. Did we count that? No. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, and, like, in this, so Kit is engaged to be married um, to a prince named Graydon, who um, yes. is an actor. I can't think of his name. He's from Spider-Man. Tony Revoloni? He play he plays Flash <laughs> in Spider Man, um, but he's also in um, that really good um, Wes Anderson movie, um, the Hotel one. Oh, the Grand Budapest. Yeah, Hotel. well, he's also in um, Servant, which is an M Night Shyamalan show on uh, um, Apple TV. It's cool. so good. Okay. So he's been doing a lot. He has been. Um, so like, she's engaged to be married to him. And I really love that, like, it's not even, there's no jealousy thing because, like, Jade and Kit know that, like, this marriage is a marriage of convenience. Yeah. yeah. Like, like he, and, and he even says to her that, like, he thinks that marriage should, should be between two people who are in love, like, romantically. Yeah. Um, and he's not in a relationship. Um, but I guess, you know, I, I, I would picture if they were to get married, you know, they, they would have relationships outside the marriage and the marriage would just be like on paper, you know. Well, and like he even said to her because she because he says that to Kit and Kit's like, well, what about like your duty to your country or like your responsibility? And he's like, we're going to be in charge one day. Like we don't have to do things that way our yeah, parents Yeah, they did. can change tradition. Yeah, so, like, he is, like, very open-minded. Like, I I honestly think, like, Graydon, like, he's just so sweet. And he's, like, he's kind of quirky. Yeah, they're a good duo, though. Like They are. They balance each other very well. Like, I don't think, I doubt that they're actually going to get married. But if they did, I would, I, 
you know, they could, you know, unite the realms. I think so as well. Like, I think if they united the realm, like, it would just be, like, you know, amicably. Like, it would just be them coming together, not like in a marriage, but just, like, ruling together. Like, Mm -hmm. almost like a democracy, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I could see that happening. Like, I I have, like, ideas, but, like, we'll, we'll get there. Um... We're also introduced to Kit's twin brother, um, Arik. So we didn't mention this, um, but Kit is the princess of Tirasleen. Um, her and her twin brother, Arik, are the son and daughter of Sorsha and Mad Mardigan, who are yeah. OTP. We love them. And Wait, they are, are they twins? They are twins. So, like, who decided that Kit's the, the, the one in – or is she not? I don't know. Like, maybe she's, like, a, maybe it's just because um, Galadorn has a son. Okay. I'm not sure. So, maybe, but, so like, you're saying that maybe Eric would be king. Maybe. I'm not sure. Because, like, uh, when I was rewatched, so I rewatched today, like, right before we recorded, and she does say twin brother, and um, they do say that Kit and Graydon will be married to unite the realm until, like, the rightful empress, Alora Dannon, comes back or whatever. So I kind of think, like, I think Kit is the heir and Eric is the spare. And part of me thinks that's just because Eric is a dumbass. He is. <laughs> like, they Sorsha are their parents. You- yeah, like, Sorsha from when they were, like, toddlers probably already decided Kit was the heir. Yeah, I, I think – well, and I think, too, wasn't um, Sorsha's, like – because I think her kingdom, like, Tira's lead, I think it is, like, a queendom. I think it always was. Yeah, because her mom was evil and the ruler. So it might just be that it passes to the female heir. Okay. I don't know. It's been a minute since I've cool. – since we've seen the movie. Um, but, no, like, Arik is <sighs> – He's a fuckboy, and he's a dumbass. There's no other way for me to say this. He I'm so sorry, really family friendly. Is. And <laughs> he's, like, kind of not in the show. Well, he like, gets kidnapped, so... Yes. So I don't really know. I mean, I'm indifferent on him. I think he's really funny. He he reminds <laughs> me a lot of Mad Mardigan, um, but so does yeah. Kit. Like, Kit, so far, is, like, a perfect blend of her parents, and, like, we don't really know yeah. with Arik. Um, but, like, when he's introduced, like, he's dallying with a kitchen maid, and, like, he doesn't even know her Dove. name. He calls her Dove. He calls her Dove, because, like, he doesn't know what her name is. Yeah. And then, like, when she confronts him, he's like, well, what if I do commit? And he, like, in air quotes, marries her, like, gives her a bracelet. She's like, but I don't have anything to give you. And he's like, that's Okay. You can just look at me just like that and will know. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And, like, it's kind of, you know, poked fun at later because, you know, Dove is telling people that it's true love and everyone's kind of rolling their eyes mm-hmm. and being like, yeah, sure. Like, we've seen Eric do this before. Like, he's yeah. a hot boy. Because she is, like, she believes in Eric so much that she – sneaks to like go save him after he's he kidnapped gives i will be honest and i don't think eric is evil in any way but no she i think gives he's just stupid anna. she gives it is anna. giving anna yeah i agree with that like i do mm-hmm. agree with that like i think she thinks you know i think she feels very deeply 
And yes, I think it's going to be revealed that Arik is just he just doesn't. And I don't think it's because he's evil or, you know, a terrible person or anything. I just think yeah. it's not that he's deep not, for him. He's not like Hans. Like, he, I, I don't think he's going to end up being evil like that. But I do think that there's going to be that arc for Dove specifically. Like, I think she's going to go on that similar Anna arc. And, you know. I mean, do we want to do, do like, I mean, do we want to say who we ship okay, her with? Okay, so the other ship is um <laughs> uh Graydon and Dove. Listen, I listen. I'm so for this ship. I'm so into it, okay? And there was like that behind the scenes maybe shot of the actors like holding hands or whatever. Okay, but did you see someone zoomed out of the shot and it's just like all of the actors holding hands? It's like all of them just holding hands, but <laughs> okay, they but like, like cropped it. But like the way he's like, listen. <laughs> I love the show. Yes. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so I think that Graydon is going to be her crystal. I think so too. I I think she is gonna find out like what true love really feels like, um, yeah. because he like really cares for about her like as a person. Yeah. And I like how you called Graydon, like, quiet and odd. And I think that, like, I would also call Christoph odd. Yeah. Well, like, he <laughs> like, just has this, odd. like, weird thing. Because, like, he, if we're, like, talking about D&D, like, he's, like, our researcher type of guy. Like, And he's, like, the linguistics person. Like, yes. he knows different languages. Yes, he knows different languages. He knows more about, like, treaties and, like, things like that. Like, he's got, like, yeah. more of that, like, head for politics or whatever. Yeah. And it's just, like, he's, like, an introvert. Like, yeah. is he and a like, Virgo? No, he's too laid back no, to be a Virgo. No, he's he's not uptight enough. He's yeah, he's very way too laid back. back. But um, he's definitely but an introvert. He's, he's very introverted. I love seeing introverted people on shows like this. Well, and I think it balances really well because Dove is, like, very extroverted and, like, mm-hmm. really speaks her mind. Like, it's giving, like, she is, like, the fiery one and he's just, like, the quiet yeah. storm, cr- storm cloud a little bit. Like... Yeah. I just, like, she's very Anna. She yeah, is, she's very Anna. Like, to me, she's she's so much like Anna. Well, and, like, it makes sense, too, because, like, Kit cannot stand her. Um, and we'll talk yeah. a little bit more about why, because I think it goes a little bit deeper. Um, but they are very similar. And I yeah. think that's they just like really butt heads because they are so mm-hmm. similar. So the last member of our party, because um, Eric isn't in our party. We're going to talk about that in a second. But um, it's a man named Borman. Mm-hmm. We meet him in the dungeons like Sorsha is talking to him. She releases him because the castle is attacked um, by the Gales. And yeah. so he goes out to help. And then when we're forming our party, she says that she will pardon all of his crimes if he guides them. And he should do it anyway because he needs to square a debt with Mad Mardigan. Yeah. I really like Borman. I do too. He, so he says that he was the squire. Yes. To Mad Mardigan. Um, I think the mystery behind Mad Mardigan going missing is such a good way to, like, write the show. Yes. And it's very, like, where is Luke Skywalker kind of thing. It, it is. It is very much. <laughs> um, 
And and I and I realized that um, Val Kilmer's role, if he is going to be in the show, is going to have to be small because of his health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw an interview saying that you know he was supposed to be in this season, but then the COVID pandemic hit, and like because of his health issues, they couldn't risk like you know him being on a film set and everything. So I think. But I also, at the same time, don't believe that and think that he could be, like, the surprise finale kind of thing. I I think that if they had to, like, rewrite because he wasn't able to be in it, um, I think what they did, in, like, with this was so ingenious because yeah. um, Mad Mardigan being missing is, like, a big deal because, like, yeah. him and Sorsha were, like, so in love. Like, he was part of our, like, trio, so, like, him not being mm-hmm. there is very strange. Um, Borman is very similar to his character so it creates this dynamic with Kit because Kit feels very betrayed by the fact that her father isn't there Mm -hmm. and so like Borman is like I can almost see him like becoming like a stand-in for her yeah but I I also feel I do the only thing is like I do think that Mad Mardigan probably was always missing maybe because like because Val Kilmer's health like is not good like he like you didn't see Top Gun Maverick Mm -hmm. but like he's like in that um movie and because of I think he had throat cancer and because of all Mm. that he can't really speak okay so yeah so he was yeah he he had very few lines in Maverick and I don't know if they used AI to try to do that or not so if he does end up in Willow could be some AI, like, voice work. And I don't know how much we're going to see him if he is in it. I mean, if he is in it, like, I feel like he would just, like, return home and just, like, be with Sorsha, you know? Um, Yeah. But But they used to be married. I know. The actor, Shannon. Like, the chemistry. Yeah, but they're not together anymore. (sighs) I wonder what how their relationship they have kids together so maybe they're like amicable like because they had to still raise the kids after they broke up what is it about Lucasfilm and like their actors getting together yeah <laughs> um but like the thing okay so like the thing with Borman though so like all this is happening I don't trust Borman you don't no I think he's hiding something I think he's hiding something about Mad Mardigan's disappearance. Okay. But you don't think he's, like, on the evil side? No, I don't think he's evil. um, But But you think he's responsible for something that happened? Yeah. Because, okay, so, like, skipping ahead a little bit. So when they go to the slaughtered lamb and they're, like, looking for that thing, they're they're looking for the the cuirass or whatever, um, he finds something and he tells Kit that he doesn't. Yeah. So I'm like, mm, okay, interesting. And, like, we can't forget that, like, he was locked up in the dungeon. So it's like, mm, what's going on? What's going on? Yeah. Um. But anyway, so, like, to finish out episode one, um, these things called the Gales attack. And they were specifically targeting um, Arik. And they say that it's because Bav Morda's spirit, so she was the big bad in um, the movie, it, she lives on in Sorsha, who is her daughter, and then in her children as well. So yeah. taking Arik, that means they want him for something. 
So we transition, well, transitioning into episode two, but the very end of episode one, it is revealed um, that Dove the Kitchen Maid is Laura Dannon. Yes. Were you expecting that? Um, maybe a little bit, but I was trying not to think about it too much. I don't think I, like, I didn't, I didn't put too much thought into it. I, like, it made so much sense when they revealed it because, like, I yeah. honestly wasn't thinking about it at all. Okay. Like, I knew, I like, they I, were... I think I was 50-50 on it could be someone that we haven't met yet or it could be her. Yeah, cool, because um, they were saying that, you know, like, they decided that she would grow up and not know who she was. And I think I just didn't expect her to be so autonomous. Because, like, here's the thing. Like, Elora Dannon, like, she is, like, our chosen one, right? And mm-hmm. so she grows up as a kitchen maid. She doesn't know who she is. She's supposed to be this all-powerful sorceress. So, like, very, like, I am the main character girl boss type of thing, right? Yeah. And, like, she's immediately not because she is – well, I mean, she's still – has these traits but like she is in love with the prince who doesn't really love her and she's convinced she's gonna save him and she's just like i don't really care if i'm alora dannon like i yeah you know i'm doing this thing it is very ya it is and it's just like i think she talks about how like she always wanted to know who she was but i feel like if anything she already kind of knew who she was and Mm -hmm. this doesn't really change things other than like make her frustrated that people want her to be this thing that she just isn't right now. And I really like that about her. Like the Laura is like one of my favorite characters and and I'm like really excited to see her like do more because like right now, like in the first episode, she is so independent like she's gonna go on her own when the party doesn't want her she decides to go anyway like she doesn't want help like she doesn't need to be with these people like obviously it's easier for her because she doesn't know how to fight um and like we do see her be kidnapped and need to be rescued and all of that but like she's not giving damsel energy no she's not um and, like, I also, I will say I love that they reveal that she's Alora so early on. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, writing the mistake that they made with Ray. Yeah. Like, there is no questioning now who she is um, yes. by fans. Um, it's clear who she is. And now, you know, the, the path set forward for the series doesn't have to, like, revolve around, like, where is Alora? Who mm-hmm. is Alora? All of that, and we can just focus on her as a character growing into her powers and meeting Willow and learning from him. The whole ship with Graydon and Alora, I I think that Graydon, you know, speaks to her as if, like, like just with a lot of respect mm-hmm. and understanding. And where, on the other hand, Kit is, like, combative. Well, and this is something that Borman comments on because I think, like, Borman, like, he's a very sarcastic character and, like, you can't ever tell if he's, like, being serious or not, which I like. Um, And he says something to Kit, which you could almost brush off, but it's a little bit too pointed, where he's like, yeah, "Yeah, like, 
I would feel bad for her, like, if she really was, like, super all-powerful, but she's she's not. Like, I guess you're right in, like, giving her a hard time, but it almost comes off like you're jealous of her for, like, taking your dad away from you. And I'm like, whoop. Yeah. (laughs) Because Mad Morgan (sighs) left to find this um, magical, like, piece of armor. It's called, like, the something cuirass. Um, Yeah. And, like, the reason he left, like, this was nine years ago, was for Elora. So it's very easy that to see like Kit would feel very insecure about that because like her dad left her seemingly, you know, for somebody else. And now she's here and she's the true heir. She's the true empress. Like she's kind of taking everything from Kit in her eyes. Yeah. And like, I also think it's just, they are so similar. Like they are both like very hot headed, and I think at the same time, like, where Kit is very hard, Alora is very soft. Like, she's more traditional and feminine, whereas Kit isn't. So, like, Kit definitely mm-hmm. feels threatened by her. Yeah. And I think, like, there's a lot of inner turmoil going on with Kit because her and Jade are also fighting. Yeah. Well, I um, think she feels abandoned by everybody. Like, yeah. that that was established, like, immediately in the first episode. Like, um, Jade got accepted to go train to become a knight in Galadorn. So, like, she's leaving. Mm-hmm. Like, right after Kit the was wedding. supposed to get married. Yeah. Which yeah. is, like, as they said, like, when Kit needs her most. And then, like, her brother is gone. Her father is gone. And then it all just culminates in it being for Elora Dannon. So, I think she's just throwing all of her frustration at what she has decided, like, is the root of the problem. Yeah. Especially because, like, Jade is a very loyal person. Like, that's just who she is. Like, she's super loyal to Kit, but, like, she's loyal to the crown. She's loyal to the queen. And if Mm Alora is the true empress, like, she's loyal to her, too. And I think that really frustrates Kit. Yeah. And I think, I mean, she was a little uh, pissed at Kit, I'm sorry, a Jade, because Jade has been, you know, training her in combat, mm-hmm. and Jade has been going easy on her, because once they get into real combat, she finds out that, you know, Jade, Jade has been letting Kit win, and that Jade doesn't think that Kit is actually ready for, like, the real world fighting villains. You know, it's giving Ben Solo a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. Um, and it, and I love how messy she is. Like, they're really letting her be a very messy character. And, mm-hmm. like, and on top of that, like, she's, you know, a knight and she knows what she wants. Like, she was going to run away instead of, like, marry Graydon. Yeah. So she – and, like, immediately she's like, well, I'm going to go find my brother instead. And mm-hmm. Graydon has to go because it's like – how dare you can't let your bride go alone or whatever. Yeah. I love Graydon. Like, like, well, it's not ideal, but I think I'd get over it. And, <laughs> like, you know, you, you, you mentioning that Kit is so messy. It, each, like, we have three main young women characters. We three, do. And they are all very unique and different. And, I mean, I I attribute that to having a lot of women writing on the show, which there are, Mm -hmm. which is crazy because at first we were all worried about the show because John Kazan is, like, the main producer and writer on it. But 
I mean, there's so many great writers working on this. And, like, for us to have three women at the center of this show, young women, that's not even, you know, counting Sorsha, who is um, kind of a side character at this point. Um, It's so special because (laughs) you think back to, you know, the sequel trilogy, Ryan bringing um, Rose in Mm -hmm. as the second, you know, main woman character. And also we see... um, Amalyn Holdo, of course. Um, And then us kind of losing that going into The Rise of Skywalker. Um, I, like, I really appreciate them doing that for this show. Just having good writing, having different women, different opinions, you know, having female rage. (laughs) Like, you know... (sighs) I'm impressed by Lucasfilm. I I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, well, and I I you're so right like that we have these three very unique female main characters and they are messy and they are angry like Kit is angry at the world like Jade we haven't seen her like blow up like she's like kind of the calm cool collected one but like you know she's dealing with this turmoil of like she has all these dreams too, but like she's also, yeah. you know, she loves Kit. And then we have Alora who like has had this identity thrust upon her. Yeah. All she wants identity is to rescue crisis. this guy. Yeah. yeah. Jade going forward is going to have a whole lot of trauma after episode three. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, so is like, and Alora, like they mentioned, so she meets like these two women in the woods. Yeah. And she says her name is Alora. And like, Obviously, the women don't think that, like, she's really, like, a Laura Dannon. So they're just like, yeah, oh, my they're God. like, oh, you were named after, you know, the legend. Well, and she said, like, like, man, that must be really hard having to grow up with, like, that legacy name. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can we, like, just speak to it, like, Hannah Waddingham being one of the women in the woods? And these are also two lesbians again. Two lesbians once again. <laughs> <laughs> to they they're woods women yes yeah so hannah waddingham i was not expecting to see her in the show at all it was really exciting that was really fun also so like another possible female main character so it, our main antagonist is called somebody um there's somebody called the withered crone mm-hmm. we don't really know a lot about this but the main antagonist for the movie was bav morta so i'm yeah. i'm assuming it's another kind of bav morta character yeah, crone. And I really like um so when they first meet Willow, he says that um you know, they've taken your brother to um the immorial city beyond the shattered sea and they're like, oh, "That's where all the maps end. Like you can't go across the shattered sea." And he says, "That's where you must go into the unknown." And like this listen, like it, this is also giving very frozen too. Like you already mentioned Anna like, yeah. it's already giving very Frozen 2 when they pass through um, the Mother's Gate and yeah. all of that. And, like, you know, the the divide between Kit and Aurora, like, gives on and Elsa. It does. It really does, though. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the second episode, to me, is just a lot of, like, we're really introduced to this version of Willow because in the movie, like, he's young, he's you know, dreams of being a sorcerer and now like he's older, he's in charge with protecting his people and there's something wrong. Like there's something going on with his magic and it's, it's alluded to later that like 
it seems like the more he uses his magic, the less he has. Yeah. Um, so he's like kind of not using it, but he's not telling anybody about it. He yeah, seems, they're just kind of noticing. They're yeah. like, wait, like, why me, like he, is he helping? He seems very, like, uh, I don't know. Like, he wants to train Alora and he wants Alora to, like, be the one to take on the crone and all of that. But, you know, these darn kids are so, like, urgent to move on. So, like, he's yeah. getting kind of swept along with them. And he himself is very frustrated because, like, he knew Alora as a baby, and like she's now like a grown woman, and she's and not, he's not like prepared. She, and she's not like who he wants her to be. Yeah, he and, definitely like, had funny, an idea of her. It's funny, like Warwick said, you know, like he took inspiration from Mark Hamill's performance in The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is I very Ray and Luke. Yeah. And, like, and, even, you know, visually, like, Alora's uh, costume is so much like Ray's. Yeah, she's got, like, wraps and armbands. It's just, like, mm-hmm. a little bit more fantasy, which is really cool. And he quickly learns that growing up, not knowing who she was, like, she cannot access her magic. Like, she's trying so hard and yeah. just can't do it. And we do see at the very end of episode two and then into episode three that it is awakening um, I feel like, so Willow has, like, the wand, like, from the movie, and I feel like she needs it, and he's very hesitant to give it to her, and we don't know why. Yeah. I don't know. So, I think that kind of brings us to episode three. Um, at the very end of episode two, Alora is kidnapped by, um, a corrupted soldier whose name is Valentine. And um, mm-hmm. he was kind of like a father figure for Jade. Yeah. And so it's really sad, like, when he – they find out that, like, he's the one who's taken her and they can see immediately that, like, something is wrong with him. He's not okay, yeah. Yeah, from fighting with the Gales, one of them touched him and it infected him with this, like, darkness and this magic. Yeah. Now, do you think that, like, Eric is also infected well, that's the question that, like, Kit is asking, right? Like, because yeah. Kit is very concerned that, like, they're running out of time. And, like, what if he is infected as well? I don't know. Like, it's been so, like, radio silent for anything with Eric. Like, we don't get any flashes to him or the yeah. crown or anything. So, like, it's so mysterious. I, I tend to think that he's not. Because mm-hmm. I think that the people who took him will use him as bargaining to get Alora. That's a very so good point. So I think that he's safe. That and yeah, I can see trade. that. Yeah. Well, and he, if he is infected, it would be you know again to like control him to lure her. But like, yeah. I yeah, I think he's definitely bait for Alora. Oh my gosh, the show's gonna get so good. I, and yeah, I know. It's gonna get so trophy. Well, and like, can I just say? So like, there's a big like section in um episode three where so like they split up and kit goes Mm -hmm. with borman because borman knew her father they're learning about like the quest that he went on for the cuirass and all of that yeah and i really love there's this flashback um or i can't remember but for some somehow um you know there's this question if mad mardigan is dead and um (laughs) Willow tells Sorsha, um, death wouldn't keep Mads from you, only delay him a bit, which again, like, <sighs> no grave will hold me down. Um, I'll call <laughs> home to her. 
Um, I love that line. It was probably my favorite moment of the show. Mm-hmm. It's just like Lucasfilm doing what they do best. Yes. Like ugh, Lucasfilm, it's giving it's giving Star Wars, it's giving strange magic, like it's giving George Lucas. It I just, hope it George is. is enjoying this. I hope so too. I really hope so. I really um, hope he's watching and he's enjoying it and he hasn't written off Lucasfilm forever because of the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I truly think like I don't know if we'll ever find out if but if someone were to interview George about like Lucasfilm taking over after him, like what his favorite project is, I probably think he would say Willow because mm-hmm. of you know, like he's always talked about like how much fairy tales mean to him and a happy ending and hope and like you know like romance and like all of that being happy and I think that like Andor is a great show but George himself would be like depressed about it exactly yeah <laughs> like Andor is a great show and like you know Clone Wars and like all of that um, but you're right. Like he loves that good, happy fairy tale, and like that is what Willow is. Like it is that classic, you know, love triumphing over evil and all yeah. of that, which is definitely all George's over Willow. Thing. Yeah. Ugh. Well, okay. So can I can I just like take a second to talk about these were rats? Just like yeah, I'm obsessed with them. Okay, like I'm obsessed. Yeah. Like, Kit and Borman get to what was supposed to be the Slaughtered Lamb Inn, which is not. Um, and Borman is looking for, he's like, oh, we hit a secret or blah, blah, blah. And yeah, it's like, watch out for the were-rats. And she's like, the what? And he's like, it's literally what it sounds like. I don't know what to tell you. And they just, they are. They're like werewolf rats. And if they bite yeah. you, you become a were-rat. And it's, <laughs> I, I'm obsessed with that. Um, but this is also where we have the scene where... Borman finds what he was looking for and he does not tell me. He, he doesn't say anything. He doesn't say anything. And I just I just feel like he knows more than he's letting on about where Mad Mardigan is or what happened. Mm-hmm. I think I think he thinks Mad Mardigan is dead and I think maybe he thinks he's responsible for it. Yeah. But I wonder why that keeps like, you know, him from saying he found anything. I know, right? Like it's yeah. it's a big it's a big question. Um and then of course the other side of this episode, um, it's I feel like we get a lot of like Alora like finally accepting that she is Alora Dannon in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um and like she like two people die like for her um because they believe in her and we even have um, Graydon telling her, I mean, this was in the second episode, that, you know, everybody except for her can see how extraordinary she is. And I think that's why, like, her magic hasn't been working because, like, she doesn't believe in herself. Yeah. And I think she's, like, Graydon. slowly starting to. Yeah. <laughs> Graydon already, like, believes in her and, like, she doesn't quite yet. So there's a couple of things uh, at the end of this episode um, one of the things is that Willow reveals that because Willow's been having visions ever since they found him. Um, mm-hmm. he reveals that 
for the world to survive. Like, he keeps seeing this, like, final battle. Like, Alora's going to die. Yeah. I... Oh, my gosh. It's so dark. And, like, something in his um, visions, he's, you know, seeing Sorsha dead. Mm-hmm. And, like... I... And it's giving, like, Harry Potter in a lot of ways, like... It is. Um, I agree. That's, you know, I was kind of getting that, too. That, like, they're connected, so that Voldemort and Harry have to die for, you know, the world to be saved. Um, and I, I think that... I think the prophecy is going to come true. I think Elora is going to die, but be reborn. Yeah. And that is, like, a wound that like Lucasfilm needs to heal and I feel like Lucasfilm yeah. has done in the past but I feel like they definitely need to mm-hmm. show this um and like Willow even says like no matter what I do she always dies so like I think hit, hiding her away the vision didn't change trying to train her the vision didn't change like he doesn't like know sleep, what to do it's like Sleeping Beauty, you know, like they hid her away in the woods until her 16th birthday, but it still happened anyways. Mm-hmm. And and I think like what's going to happen is like he's just going to have to like trust Alora to like make her own decisions. Like I, I wonder if he's like, I'm sure this vision is going to get shared somehow, but I wonder like how that's going to come about and like what Alora's reaction is going to be to this. Definitely. So the other major thing that happens is Jade killing her father figure. Yes, and that's the trauma I was talking about going into the next episodes, Jade living with that. And I know it was like a mercy kill. Like he, you know, asked for it because he was so corrupted by that magic and he was dying. He literally, by the end of at the end, he looked like a corpse. Yeah. Well, and I think, like, so he gets snapped out of it because Willow, like, performs a spell because his friend mm-hmm. was killed. Um, and so it kind of snaps him out of it. But I I don't think it had cured him. I think, like, he was either dying or the spirit that was, like, possessing him was, like, going to come back over him. So, like, she had to kill him. Yeah. But, like... Well, I think that, like, dark magic was deteriorating the host, like, very yeah. slowly. Like... He wouldn't his his body probably couldn't survive even if like the magic wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So like now this is something that Jade is gonna have to deal with because like yeah. this man like believed in her and like he told her like as he was dying like he's so proud of her and like she has to see this through and all of this like I I think she's really going to be dealing with that and part of me wonders if Kit is equipped to. Like, be, be with Jade through this. Yeah. Like, be support, be the supportive girlfriend. Like, I agree with you. I, I don't think that she's worked through her, you know, problems and her, I guess, like, it's about me. Like, I'm the princess. Yes. Kind of thing. Yes. Um, like, and, like, we're already seeing, like, some, you know, like, them butting heads, Jade and Kit. And I, and I do think, like, this show is going to end with them, like, being together. But I think that they're going to go through a lot to be happy together. Yeah. Like, I, I think they are, like, each other's endgame. But I could see them, like, breaking up 
and yeah. like going separate ways and mm-hmm. then coming back together. Like, I don't want to say that Kit is like selfish, but I do think like being the princess, like it's just kind of inherent. Like, you know, it's well, all about worldview. Like, it's, yeah. it's a very like closed minded worldview. She's been in a castle her entire life. Like, she hasn't really lived outside of that. Yeah. Well, like, what also gives me like this thought of her not being equipped is like, her reaction to finding out that Jade is like, you know, Jade's dream of becoming knight is coming true, but it means that she has to leave Kit. And mm-hmm. Kit only sees it as you're leaving me when I need you most. Yeah. You know, um instead of supporting well, she does come around, but it's she only does. because I'm gonna run away. Yeah. Well, and like Bor- um, not Borman, um, Valentine did say, you know, like, if she's truly your friend, like, she will understand. And I do think she is truly her friend. I just think emotionally she's not there to, like, mm-hmm. And, like, you could say that. the same thing about Alora not emotionally being there with, like, her uh, romance with Eric. Mm-hmm. Like, they're so, like you said, like, Alora and Kit are so alike. Yes. Um, I think emotionally, they both have a lot of growing to do, and we're going to see that through the show. I certainly hope so. Like, that's something I'm so excited for. I think what this show does so well is its characters. Like, we've spent the entire time, like, really just talking about characters because that's what it's all about. Like, yes, there is this plot where they're going to save Eric. You know, we've got the evil, like, crone (laughs) and blah, blah, blah. But, like, this is about, like, Willow seeing that Alora is not who we thought she would yeah. be and her still having a lot of growing up to do and Kit dealing with this sense of abandonment and loneliness and Jade trying to juggle, you know, her love for Kit, but then also like her dreams. And mm-hmm. I really love that. Yeah. I I think this show is about growing up, about these characters growing into themselves like Alora for me I think is really going on like a heroine's journey of like finding it within yes like finding that piece of herself inside herself like you know like Elsa yeah and I definitely see that going like her realizing that like her love for Eric isn't that true love that she thought it was Mm -hmm. and I I don't see it as like a really like I don't see it as like a bad thing I don't see her like resenting Eric or hating him or him like being bad I think it's just she's gonna realize that like it was just a fling like it just was and like the Mm -hmm. feelings that she felt were like very real in the moment but like they weren't these like real true love feelings yeah they weren't like they were surface level yes and and I think that like you said there's gonna be no resentment there yeah well because that's like a big I feel like that's a a big thing for, like, teenage girls because, like, when you're a teenager, you feel so much Mm -hmm. and, like, everything is, like, this is the love of my life. Like, this is the person or, like, this is the end of the world. And so I think part of growing Mm -hmm. up is is realizing that those things, like, your feelings were real, but they weren't – they were just surface level. They weren't that deep. Yeah, and like I said, like, Alora learning who she actually is – and, you know, when, when she gets to that other side where they finally get to Eric, Elora's not going to be the same person she was when she was with Eric. 100%. Like, she's not some kitchen maid that will, like, let a guy forget her name by the time yeah. she gets to him. 
like uh, a show yourself so, Alora like, moment. <laughs> yeah, and like it's just so like why a novel like. The it's that good. It. The, it's those good tropes that like we see, mm-hmm. and like when we say YA, it's because like young adult deals with heroines growing and changing, and their feelings within, developing, like within. The, the journey within rather yes. than outside, which is like crazy because Willow is such a like like they're traveling, you know, like they're traveling a lot of land. They are physically moving places, but the real journey happening here is, like, within each of the characters. Well, and I would argue that that's the exact same thing with Frozen 2. Like, they they go into the unknown. They travel, but what's really happening is that work that Elsa is doing inside of herself and even Anna, too, like, dealing mm-hmm. with that grief. And it's yeah. just shown visually for us as an audience by them, yeah. like, physically traveling. And, like, you say grief, and, like, that's what we're going to see from Jade next episode, probably, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. So, a couple more things. Um, Well, there's two major things that we end off on. Um, Mm -hmm. One is that Graydon has been touched by that dark magic. Yes. I am... I swear to God. I'm for this I've only had Graydon for a day and a half, but if anything happens to him... He's going to be okay with Shannon this trope. Like, this is going to be good stuff. Okay, okay, okay. I just had a thought. (laughs) I just had a thought. Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay, Okay. so, like, Alora... When Alora was, like, helping them fight those guards, she touched one of them who was corrupt, and it hurt Mm -hmm. him. So it's the the trope of they can't touch each other? I don't know. Like, maybe (laughs) maybe she's going to heal him. I don't know, but like it's gonna I be. I know good. Shannon. I I think that she's gonna heal him. I, think I would that's love what's that. Gonna happen, and we're all gonna swoon at how good of a scene it is. I think so. Like I listen. <laughs> you know who the damsel in distress is? It's Graydon. It it's is. Graydon. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he expresses this as well. He's like, I have never been very competent or helpful and i'm like that's okay you're you our know, princess no he's very competent in other ways he is he's just not in the ways that like his father expects him to yeah, be well, he's like book all smart that. he's yeah. like extremely book smart you know what Graydon is going through he is like breaking out of like the male expectation that has been like placed on him yeah 100 percent. unproblematic king I unproblematic king so the last shot is that they have arrived in a place called Nakmar. Yeah. And the music. And the music. <laughs> I like what? the music is so rock and roll. Like I love we didn't even talk about this. I love the music in Willow. Yeah. It is so good. Cause like mm-hmm. it's it's a fairy tale, but and it's like very fairy tale elements, but they use like modern language and they use modern music. Um, it reminds me, this is a weird, um, parallel, but I really love, um, the Marie Antoinette, um, with Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of giving that, like, it's, like, making it accessible in those ways. Yeah. Though they're doing, like, the more, like, modern kind of music, they're just doing it, like, into the credits. Yes. Not so much, like, in the episode. But the score is really, really good. The score is very, very good. Um, 
so yeah, I am absolutely adoring this show so far. Like it was really good the second time around. I don't I don't have any criticism. I like I do. My my one criticism is that I think that there's so much happening that like sometimes mm-hmm. there's weird moments where it's like oh, they took her or like Alora goes missing so much like they can't find Alora <laughs> so many times. Like, they're like, where did Things she go? So How could you do this? But also, that's, like, a vehicle for Kit just being more frustrated. That is true. Like, it just makes Kit so irritated, like, that she can't find her. Although, Kit did see that Alora did make that bush grow. So, mm-hmm. like, that might change a little bit. Like, I- I'm interested to see how Alora's magic kind of develops now that she's yeah. kind of accepting herself. Um, now that she has shown that she does, in fact, have magic, like, where that's going to take her. So is there anything else about Willow that you want to talk about? No, I think we hit on everything. Yeah, it's, this it's very, very good. And like we said, um, our next episode is going to cover um, the next three episodes. So our schedule is going to change a little bit, but it always does this time of year. We always take a little break for the holidays yeah. and all of that. Um, and then once Willow wraps up, we will be moving into the Bad Batch because the Bad Batch is like so soon. Yeah. And like we we discussed it, we're not going to do um, an episode. Like we're not going to record every two episodes. I think we're going to do you know premiere, mid season, and then finale. Yes. Um, just because there's so there's sixteen episodes, that would be like eight episodes of us recording, and we also want to hit upon convergence. Yes, and there's going to be – we haven't really talked about wave – or phase two at all yet. Yeah. So, like, we definitely want to do that with High Republic. Um, There's going to be a High Republic audio drama that also comes out the same time as Bad Batch. Mm -hmm. So that'll allow us to talk about those as well. When is Battle Scars coming out? Is it the same day? Is it – it's the same day as Survivor? Or is it before? I think it's before Survivor. Okay. So, I mean, I'm, that's still pretty soon. I'm pretty sure the book, do I have it on here? Yeah, the book is uh, March 7th. Okay. Yeah, so um, our next book, like, well, it's an audio drama, um, is Battle is Battle for Jetta in January, oh, January 3rd. 3rd. And then yeah. the next, like, book that we have is Battle Scars, which is March 7th. Because yeah. then after okay. that, we get into wave two of mm-hmm. the High Republic. So yeah, lots of things, lots of things happening. Um, I'm, I'm really excited with like where Lucasfilm is going right now. Um, I feel like they've kind of been healing the fandom a little bit more, which is nice. So we'll see if that continues. But anyway, if you would like to keep the conversation going, you can find us pretty much always on Twitter or Instagram at lip underscore lightsabers. I am at McCarter Shannon and Alex is at Alex Leonis. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.